Hello everybody, this is Jules and before we begin, I would like to say a few things regarding this wonderful podcast. This is a project that I have been thinking about since 2019 and it's only now that I have managed to get it going. So I do appreciate that you're taking the time to give it a listen. I want to take this opportunity to thank the Creative Caravan that has supported me in the production of this podcast. Also, a very big thanks to each of my guests who allowed themselves to trust me with their stories and helped me in creating a space where people can feel like they can relate to one another, learn from one another, and find a sense of belonging. Enjoy! Welcome to So This Is Love, a podcast about love, the loss of love, heartbreak, and the meeting of self. We share stories on how the relationships we once had teach us about who we are and define who we become. And maybe through these stories, we can answer that age-old question. Is it better to have loved and lost than never to have loved at all? If so, this is love. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of So This Is Love. Today, I'm joined by a very, very good friend of mine. Her name is Wanjeri with an asterisk. And she'll be telling us about um, a relationship that was a huge defining relationship in her life um, that started when she was in her 20s with a individual, <laughs> a man called The Bull. That's the nickname we're giving him today. Also not his real name, just FYI. And I'm really excited to have you here, Wanjeri. Karibu. Thank you so much. <laughs> I need to get those sound effects. I think they're somewhere here. They should be. Yeah, yeah so um, just a little bit of backstory. I do know Wanjeri. We are friends. She's close to me. She's somebody I look up to. How close? Very close. How close? How close do you want it to be? Mm, very close. <laughs> And this is basically our vibe 100% of the time. It's banter with seriousness, um, encouragement, having my back, have your back. So I just want to get straight into it. Um, your relationship with the bull. The bull. How old were you? Tell me about the beginning. How did you meet? Oh my God. This takes me back to a very sweet and delicious place. So let me just thank you for starting it off like that. Because I think I was very... Not naive, but I was primed for love at that point. We met each other at a point where my career was doing really well. I had amazing relationships with my family. I had an incredible relationship with myself. And I didn't necessarily feel the need to be in a relationship, which I think is the best time to be in one. And completely by chance, we met at... um, his family's event, but this was actually a second meeting. Mm. The very first time we had met was about nearly a decade before that, if you can believe it, seven years. We had met at um, a club, one of these clubs in Nairobi, the private clubs. Wow. So I saw him, he was meeting somebody that I was going to meet, and so as I was incoming, he was outgoing, and we were introduced. We didn't exchange much, but it was obviously memorable because the guy is tall. So here he was, tall guy, very brief interaction, and then fast forward seven years later at this family event. We walked in late, we were with another mutual friend, but it's almost like, you know in the movies how everything slows down when the two protagonists see one another? Yeah. That's what it felt like. Oh, wow. 
a part of me was anxious because I remembered him from this time ago and obviously I'd been following up with him and seeing him on on the grams not actively but you know you see him in pictures with your other friends and you're like oh yeah cute guy whatever were you attracted to him from the first time no not like that mm. I think I was sexually driven mm. I wanted to fuck him wow oh yes I did <laughs> <laughs> And maybe that's the energy that I was feeling in this first uh, encounter, this real encounter. But we really gravitated towards one another instantly. And we started to talk and he was asking me about things to do with sexuality that you wouldn't normally talk about on a first meeting, especially at a family gathering. But it didn't feel inappropriate. It just felt like an organic natural progression of a conversation without having to hide ourselves. Mm. And so this was the beginning. What I didn't know was that he was there with somebody else. Okay. Imagine alikana mimi kwa meza na akatuyo dim. I'm not <laughs> I'm not condoning such behavior. Yeah. Oh wow. And so, But did you know? I mean, when did you know that he was with somebody else? Because when I wanted to leave, he had already stood up to go and fetch this other girl who had oh. left in a half obviously. How can you leave me high and dry and we are here at your family's event? Right. Yeah. So I left that meeting that without saying goodbye to him. We mm. had an exchange numbers and that was that. And in my head I had resolved that, you know, when we see each other again, we'll see what happens. Um but my friend now who I had gone with he wingmaned the shit out of that situation behind my back he went and found the bull and asked him real quick so uh, do you want this number they exchanged yeah. quickly quickly by the time i was getting home i had already received a message from the bull and that was the beginning we arranged for a date i remember a couple of days after that we went on the date he wasn't very impressed with how i was dressed <laughs> I thought I was dressed badly. Me, I thought we were just going to hang out and watch a movie. Yeah. But at the back of my mind I still wanted the sex. Wow. You let the sex. How old were you at this time? Um how old was I? I think I was 25. Mm. Was I 25? I believe so. Um if my calculation is not off. Either 25 or 27. I I want to th- No, definitely 25. Okay. Just 25. Mm. Yeah. Um and that's how we started. And after our first date, I remember we went to watch a movie that my friend had made. After that, we went for drinks at a place called Sip and Lip. There were a lot of mosquitoes. It looked very dingy. <laughs> With those blue lights and the seats just looked a bit but my pens. But uh, uh, I got my pens, please. Remember, my focus was on the sex. Oh, is it? Really, it mm. was. And that night I chipped him and it was it was good. It was it kept him there yeah <laughs> yeah and so this is this was the foundations of it it was a friendship that i wanted to be a friends with benefit situation remember at this point i wasn't looking for a relationship why is that i just felt i don't know like i i, I didn't want to share my life with anyone that way i didn't want to give up my freedoms in order to be with somebody i didn't want to worry about somebody in the way that you should in a relationship and so i wanted to keep it casual enjoy the benefits the sexual benefits uh whilst also having irregular company here and there mm. and so this is how it started until 3 months later it became serious and it became serious because i fell in love with him 
well, at least I got very deep, sincere feelings mm. for him. And I believe he did too. I mean, he told me he loved me before I did. I wonder, by the way, why is this important? Who, Who says, says I love first? you first? I don't know. I don't know. That's a good question. Mm. Yeah. So he said, I love you. And I think it accelerated my feelings. Um, and I asked him, I started asking those questions. What are we? Mm. So I'm going to stagger this conversation a little bit because towards the end of the relationship, he would say to me constantly that at that point, at the inception of our relationship, he felt pressured to be in one, which I found so fascinating because even when I looked at it from a point of we've broken up and I'm looking back at what we did and how we started, it never occurred to me that he might not want to be in one. Ah. Yeah. And... I think he was just comfortable with how things were, the casual nature of it all. And that's the promise I had made him was that I'm not looking for anything serious. And then fast forward to three months later, here I am demanding, in his view, a relationship. So it's important for me to say that because from the very beginning, here is a divergence. Mm -hmm. And these small things have big consequences in the long run. And so this was, I think, our very first one. But we didn't see it at the time. Mm -hmm. So we get into a relationship. And Jules, this was, I've never been loved like that. I have never felt so much desire mm. towards me. Completely unconditional. That's how it felt. Um, he took care of me emotionally. He took care of my sexual needs, by which I mean that conversations about desire and fantasy were always a priority for us. He was open to such a degree that I felt I had never been this vulnerable uh, about my sexual desires with anybody else like that. Why? Uh, he, he, he allowed it. He no, why were you not open about your sexual desires to anybody? Because of those same fears that you talked about. Okay. You have our insecurities, you're afraid of rejection. Also, you read the environment and it's like, hey, wouldn't you talk about yeah, um, so we were. it felt like we were compatible in very many ways and also combustible in very many ways. Wow. Yeah, uh, we had very many firsts together, many experiences of coloring outside the line, um, doing a lot of daring things in that relationship. Um, and <laughs> he did small things for me that made me so happy. So, for example... I came back home once from a business trip and I opened the door and there was a stack. Imagine a pyramid of gifts oh, with wow. the biggest being at the bottom mm. and the smallest being at the top. And there was a note with instructions of how to open the gifts, starting with the biggest one all the way to the smallest one. And so in the biggest one were things that were personal to me but wouldn't make sense as a gift to another person. So for example, maybe a blanket that I had really wanted that season because it was cold. Mm. Um, and then coming up to a pair of socks that I had liked because of a show that we were watching or an elephant because he likes, I know, elephants or something like that. Right up to the moment where I opened the last one and it was a key to his house. And he was basically inviting me, not just to his home, but I think to his heart. And in my mind, this is when he really started dating me. By this point, I think we were six months into the relationship, but this is really when he accepted the twainer relationship. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. And I feel that this is where now the relationship started to feel like I was a wife. <laughs> uh, and not to say that I was cooking for him and cleaning dishes for him, but I, I, was, I was settled. I was so secure. I didn't have any doubts in my mind about our love or where we were going with this. I was just content. Mm. Yeah. And being in his presence made me feel so grateful. Um, so many positive emotions. I'm not sure uh, how else to describe it. it. It was just, it was nice. Yeah, it was the Hollywood dream on your own terms. Yeah, and I, I enjoyed that. Then, of course, you know, this is a setup, right? It's never really one thing in a relationship, is it? Mm-mm. And it's not always, it's not usually one day. It's a series of events that leads to a series of days which then culminates in that one day when you say it's over. Yeah. We had very many breakups, the first one was me breaking up with him and we had gone to a party where my ex-boyfriend was there together with other friends and he was feeling insecure. But my reaction to that was me wanting him to get over that and to completely get over the fact that this is my ex and maybe, yeah, so what? I didn't have patience with him. Because and so now I'm starting to talk about some of the things that broke down that relationship because I didn't accept that I had expectations of him. When you know the relationship was really beautiful on the inside, people from the outside start noticing and start saying things. Oh, you guys look so cute together. When are you going to get married? Um, and so I think we had tried to insulate our relationship as much as possible so that we are working from the inside out and not the outside in. But that changed mm. because now you start to bicker and you invite your friends to give you an opinion. But then your friends are relating to you based on what they've seen on the optics, not what they really know. And also on the same side, you've you've now started building a parallel relationship which does not exist. It exists in your minds and in the minds of your quote-unquote fans. So, What do you mean a parallel relationship? There's the real you guys, mm-hmm. you, me and the bull, mm-hmm. what we are. Then there's what people think we are and we started playing the role that people thought we are mm-hmm. more than being who we were. And that was a critical turning point for us. So that coupled with my own personal expectations. So this is where my expectations started. I wanted him to be this prince that was being described by my friends. Mm. Suddenly making me breakfast and giving me a blanket was not enough. Yeah. go to Zanzibar. Why don't we do this double coupling with these people who maybe you don't really like, but it looks good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So external pressure started kicking in, and this is how they were manifesting, at least from my point of view. I also realized that because of the initial jolt of being loved so hard, I didn't know how to respond to that. I have an anxious attachment style, which means that I'm constantly afraid of being left. And so being loved like this and being affirmed this way made my fear of being left ten times worse. Oh. Yeah. Because I didn't believe that I deserved it. Mm-hmm. That it would go how how is it going? How? It's never it's never lasted. These are stories that you hear in Hollywood only. Yeah. And in romance movies. No. Um and to his credit, he really did try and affirm me. But this is, you know, if you're not prepared, it doesn't matter 
how many prophets are brought you away. You will not hear the message. Um, so there was that as well. And then there was the issue of money. Money was a devil in our relationship in a weird way because I was making more money than him at some point. At some point, I think we were leveled up, but it was always a concern for him. Remember, I met him at a private club. He comes from a very nice, wealthy background. His family does well for themselves, and there's always this pressure at the back of his mind that as a man, he's supposed to provide and he's supposed to protect. And one of the ways you do this is by having money because money gives you access and power and all those other things. So I never got it because I grew up in a home that was, yes, led by my father in theory, but it was a matriarchal home, Mm -hmm. really. And my mother provided at at points. My father provided at points too. Also, the idea of provision in our home was not cut and dry. It wasn't, I'm bringing home the bacon and you're paying school fees. Mm. I think both parents provided what they could and my father then offered protection. So what was important for me in this traditional setup was protection more than provision. And because I didn't understand his desire to provide and how it's linked to his identity of manhood and masculinity, I think we both bungled that. He was coming from an insecure place and I was coming from a laissez-faire. So we are not communicating. I want us to go out. It's not a big deal, CLP, but I don't understand how that's emasculating him. We'll go on holiday, maybe his parents are there, and I'll tell you, I paid for bills and I gave him the check, uh, the the money under the table, Mm. just so that he could keep up appearances. And this is what I'm saying about the outside world now having an inside impact, because we didn't need that. We had gone for so many months without any of this nonsense, but then now it starts becoming an issue when other people start talking, and we internalize it, and then it feeds our demons, which we haven't dealt with from childhood, and boom. Instead of (laughs) explosions, it's actually explosions and implosions. That combustion is now bad. Mm. Yeah. Um, And and so the same way that the relationship was very beautiful and flowery in the beginning, it ripped me completely the fuck apart. What I didn't realize was that at some point... In the name of being vulnerable and open so that I can love him and so that he can love me, I actually seized power to him, seized control of my life. So it wasn't, I'm open to your desires, it's your desires will be mine. I don't have, I'm just a white canvas. You, you want us to go out, I, I'm not going to make plans, I'll do what you want. What, can you imagine mm. what a horrible relationship that is? Yeah, and so because I didn't have any identity outside of myself or outside of this relationship, he became my identity. So my compulsion to be around him and to be with him became something so toxic and undesirable. And the more I dug my heels into him and into that relationship, the more he wanted out. So here we are now in the new cycle of in and out of a relationship. That was a new chapter. It started off really nice and flowery. Mm. Then we have some little bickering and issues in there and then it became now full-blown what the fuck are you doing get the hell out of this space but there's something interesting about pain isn't there it kind of wants you to keep feeding it and if you're not careful you can really fall for that trap and we did we hurt each other in i'm just i don't like that person that i was and i i don't like that person that he was 
it was it was it was bad. I think we knew how to hurt each other at this point. And uh we did. Our parents got involved. That's how messy it became because now we were so broken. We didn't realize that we were breaking things around us and people. And of course that looks like depression, but you're both depressed. So you're both in the house together, depressed, fighting and you don't want other people to see that this is how you really are living so you just keep covering yourself in this shit my friend once told me that even when you're taking a shit it feels good mm-hmm. that's how it felt so long as we were in the ring together it didn't matter that we were fighting and bleeding all over each other we were engaged and that became our new convoluted way of loving each other because that's the only way we were connecting or seeming to connect and looking back i could tell you a billion things that he did to exacerbate the situation but the responsibility at the end of the relationship is mine my life my choices my responsibility and i could have stopped myself from saying so many things from doing so many things from even staying in the relationship for as long as i did but i didn't then we come to the next chapter of this relationship which is the end the end took probably as long as the middle and the beginning what's the time frame like um because you dated for about the no six around six months is when you can say you were both six in. six months is when he now got all like yeah. we were in it yeah in it, yeah and the first two years were fucking amazing okay so you had yeah. two years of bliss two years of bliss um then the third year was was a bit shaky really difficult also because i should mention we were now living in two different places um and we weren't accessible to each other so easily so it was a long distance a long distance relationship a long distance relationship which comes with its own strains and by the time we're doing the long distance relationship thing the insecurities have really peaked uh the demons have their horns rearing so it's it's bad um then we did that that shitty place for another two years mm. so now we are coming up to year 4 and year 4 is when now we're breaking up so if you contextualize it like that i'd never thought about it that way but that's two years of pain mm. yeah in between these feelings you know you have a good day or a good day or even a good month and you hold on to that yeah. so much but that's not what's feeding you man and the fact that you're spending a lot more time resolving problems than actually being in a relationship is an indication that you should have been out of that space a long time ago mm-hmm. yeah but when you're in it again you don't really see it or you don't have any desire to leave because at the point it's serving you your ego um at some point i found out that he had cheated on me by the way full disclosure by this point i had also cheated on him mm-hmm. but he didn't know but when i found out i behaved like this was the biggest crime you can like what this is so it's irreparable and i made him feel that pain You know, I was mm. asking him, who is this babe? What's her name? Where did you meet? You know, How did you find out? I have no I think he told me. Okay. Yeah. Um, was this during the long distance? Yeah, it okay. was. Okay. And so it was one of those times when we were now in the same physical space. Mm. And in catching up, I think he felt guilty and uh, he told me about it and I completely lost my shit. I don't even think I've ever spoken to you about mm. this privately. So I asked him to call her 
and end things and say a bunch of things that weren't true for him. Like, I didn't even like you. It wasn't even great. You're so full of shit. You're stupid. You could never measure up to Wanjeri. Mm-hmm. What's up? Like, really humiliate her. In that time, I felt that it was just me wanting control of that situation. That's all it was. It had nothing to do with her. It really had nothing to do with him either. I was just feeling slighted. And to gain back control of the situation, I wanted to humiliate both of them. And I managed to do that successfully. Of course, that leaves, it burns a hole in your relationship. Mm-hmm. And it's like, so now we have these big gaping holes in our home, which is if our relationship is a home, it's, it's on fire, man. Yeah, we're repairing it here and there, but you can see this thing is falling apart. Mm-hmm. And so following that, uh, the relationship was really, really strained. And at one point, he had to go for a family event and leave me in his house, which I had. I could have gone to my house. Why was I in his house? Again, because I wanted to... Control. Pain. I want to see where you are, who you're with, what you're doing. Um, then he went for this family event. I was left in his house... We both remember it differently. He says that I was breaking shit. I was really drunk as well. Not to blame the alcohol, mm. but that was a contributing factor. Um, breaking things, throwing stuff in his, like just ruining his shit. Going through every little part of his house to find evidence of more indiscretions. And I managed to unlock his laptop. I think he had an iPad there, which I unlocked. And I was just going through everything like a deranged, depraved person. Mm. Yeah. Um, And when I say his parents got involved, that was the evening. Because his mom was like, I think we need to call the cops on this girl. She's not leaving your house and she's destroying it. Mm. And in retrospect, I'm like, she was right. Yeah, she was. Um, So when I say it got ugly... It got ugly. Uh, We didn't get to the cops, thankfully. And uh, I never got to egg his car, even though that was always a desire. (laughs) (laughs) Key and egg the car. Yeah, these are the things you see in movies. I'm like, these are the only options we have. (laughs) Z. Yeah. um, So, crazy, crazy. Mm. Fucked up times. Right. Yeah. And so extricating ourselves from that was not easy because we have this really fucked up bond, right? Where we're breaking up and coming back together. And every time we come back together, it's like this fire flames. What? I don't know why that happens. It's Mm. like, is it hydrogen? That's what happens. Breaking it apart is very difficult. Very difficult. But the bond. But when it comes back together. Yeah, it's two ions or something like that. H2. H2, exactly. It's a very strong bond. Oh, wow. And this is how the hydrogen bomb was made, actually, because Mm. of this coming back together of these uh, bonds. Atoms. Atoms, Mm. sorry. So here we are, the hydrogen. But now we know it's it's now taking a toll on us. And we, we know. And we're at the verge of losing our minds, we're definitely not in a healthy mental space, both of us, and especially as a collective, our families are beginning to feel this strain and they all want us to now break break up. Mm. And of course, the more somebody tells you to break up, that's when you become defiant. Z, you're not going to tell me what to do with my life. Blah, blah, blah. And I think that's one of the reasons why the breakup took long for both of us. I mean, he tried multiple times to break it off and I tried to not, you know, the full shabang, I'm going to block you. We're not talking to each other. But it never really worked. 
until it did. It wasn't really anything that happened. I think it was just a moment of exasperation. And that fight might have been about something really small, but uh, something happened and we separated for about two months. This was the longest we had gone apart apart Mm. without talking to one another. And it was very difficult for me. So this is when I made the realizations, at least the beginning of the realizations, that I was completely empty. I, it's not that I had given myself to him. It's that I had nothing to give. I had no life. My life was being attached to him and being mm. FBI investigations. So when we broke up, it was so miserable mm. because I had this sense of emptiness because of what that's what you feel when you're in a breakup. But I was broken. I had nothing. And this was a very, very, very difficult place to be in. But it changed everything because in order for me to survive that moment, I really had to employ a new strategy. Mm-hmm. And being down on myself and throwing pity parties was not going to cut it. I went the booze route, you know, you drink and you're functioning, but you know something is off. Yeah. And that just, it wasn't sustainable. So I found meditation and spirituality. And it was telling me all these things that didn't make sense. I to be here now. But here, it's, there's pain here. Yeah. I don't want to be here. And I did this seesaw until I finally really chose myself. Mm. That's what choosing yourself is. It's deciding that all these other things that might be making you feel better in the moment are not worth your long-term health, your long-term life. And that's what I did. And the weird thing is, the moment I did that, I started to really see our relationship in a different light. I started to take ownership of my own actions. I think I reached out to ask for forgiveness for some of the things that I had done because I felt very poorly about it. I started therapy as a result of that or as a continuation of that. I had already been in therapy. And, of course, what happens in these stories? Munapatana. Go to Gemini, minding your business. <laughs> in the club. In the club. <laughs> then this guy taps your shoulder. Hi, wow. A flurry of hormones suddenly overwhelms your clitoris. <laughs> I thought you were going to say your heart. <laughs> hey, 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 hey. Please never, ever underestimate the power of the clit. And I know I'm being very sexual here, but it's no, true. I mean, this is a very, this is a space where we talk about that pussy power. Yeah. Although hormones don't go to the clitoris, it's blood flow, but I get what you're saying. But blood goes where? Into the clitoris. So, sasa mimi ni mekata yo, ni kafanya shortcut. Okay. But thanks for educating. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I think we hooked up, but then we started... Oh, so you, that was him who tapped you on the shoulder. Yeah, mm. so we hooked up and um, we oh, started... Did you start the spiral, spiral again? I was afraid that we would, mm. and I think both of us were really, really afraid that we would end mm. up in that space, but it didn't. There was a healthy distance between us, and I also understood that he was seeing other people on the side, although as the time went on, it felt like we were becoming exclusive. But we had a very interesting way of communicating now i think because of the pain that we had both experienced we were careful not to go back there again but we also understood that we needed to talk and discuss those things okay you know yeah without it being overwhelming and we were starting to do that until um 
another incident happened involving one of my close friends. And um, yeah, they were inebriated, I think you could say. And he was inappropriate. He basically sent her a message to ask if they could step outside and be alone. And while, again, I say we were not exclusive at the time, it stung, uh, especially because this said close friend, I had had feelings of insecurities about her. Mm -hmm. And yeah. So then I decided that I'm not ready to put up with any of this stuff anymore. And I cut him off. And we both cut each other off. And that was that was it. That was the breakup. Um, and we went for very many months without seeing one another. And at the back of my mind, I always wondered, what would happen the day we bump into each other? I'm sure everybody has that when you yeah. break up with someone. Yeah. And there was also quiet moments when I would really miss him. And not miss him like I want to hang out with you, just... I think I want to experience this with you because you like, for example, nature. You get it. You get it, yeah. Or listening to a song and thinking, oh, this person would like it. So I had to contend with that. But I got to a place where, just as in the beginning of this story, where I was in a good place, in a good relationship with my parents, my body, my health, I found myself there again. And it was... It is so liberating. We're speaking in present tense now. I feel amazing. And I don't feel like I want to be in a relationship mm. at the moment. But I have found myself in a unique space where the bull is back in my life in an undefined capacity. I think that we're both very careful not to attach any labels or any thing actually to any interactions that we have I feel that we've come a long way we have a deep sense of love for one another and a lot of regret I think because of how things turned out and the pain especially it wasn't so much because of how things turned out it was a pain that we don't like and um, I'm not sure why we've been placed in this world and in this lifetime particularly the same time and in this very tumultuous way but this feels like the season of rest between he and I mm -hmm. yeah on some level do you feel like he's your soulmate I, I don't know if there is such a thing as a soulmate mm. a singular one there, I think we have more than one soulmate yeah. but your attachment with him seems I mean, the hydrogen bond that we're talking yeah. about. It seems... Have you been able to successfully break up with somebody else in your past? Oh, yeah. Yes. But this one seems like even if you break up, make up... You know what I mean? There's always a way to, ca to come back. Yeah, I do so wonder what, what do you think? what do you think that's about? I think that's what I'm trying to ask. Because I think also soulmate is a word that is uh, misconstrued. It has so many meanings to so many people and so many different cultures. Yeah. Um, but for me, I meant soulmate by... You probably knew each other in a different lifetime. Yeah. Um, but maybe this is not the healthiest bond in this lifetime. Mm. For the two of you, what do you think that's about? Um, I, I can't tell you what it's about because I don't know. I mm. don't know either. Uh, but I do know that I listened to Esther Perel, the 
sex therapist the other day. Actually, she's more than a sex therapist. Relationship, relationship expert. expert. Yeah, psychosocial, psychosexual. Um, and she said that in this life, you might have somebody who you share a love story with and another person who you share a life story with. So you might not necessarily be compatible as partners or as a couple, but when you come together, there's something undeniable about your connection. And I think this is a category that myself and the boo fall into. When we're letting things flow, when we allow the universe to do, not to do with us, but when we respond to the universe in alignment, then the two of us always find each other. And this is what I find interesting. It's mm-hmm. almost like I can't be with him if I'm misaligned. And he can't be with me if he's misaligned. But when we come together, we seem to fuck each other those alignments. Mm. So I don't know what that's about. Mm-hmm. So I can only guess that it's because we try to put life story into love story. Maybe our job in this world together is not to have children and make a domestic setup out of it. Maybe it's to just to enjoy one another when we can. Maybe even if we do have the children, it might never be in a domestic setup, in the traditional setup. Exactly. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, but I'll tell you this. I am water when it comes to him. Mm. I just take things as they are. I reflect them. I enjoy it, and it's so effortless. It's not that combustion in the beginning, Mm. and I don't think I want that. Also, I'm at a place in my life now, in my 30s, where I feel that we've, we've been through that, we've done that, and um, I think I've got other new experiences that I can get that from, yeah. Do you identify with Wanjeri, who was the FBI agent, <laughs> <laughs> the intoxicated <laughs> girlfriend, what? breaking plates, Um what what how do you identify to that girl yeah mostly i feel i feel sad because i mean that's me right it's mm. not two different people it's just me at a different place responding to the world in a different way and i know that i have the capacity to do that but also be this be reasonable be water as i say and looking back the only thing i feel for myself is is that sympathy? Yeah, I'm really sorry that I put myself through that and another person in, as well. But also empathy. That as human beings, we're complex and we can bring out the worst even in ourselves. Mm-hmm. And if we don't watch it, we can drive each other mad, even in a space full of love. A friend of ours told us something interesting, which was that marriage for him is like a house. And everybody wants a beautiful house. So imagine the, the house of your dreams. And you see it every day and everybody's like, Ay, manze, it would be so nice to live there. And one day, boom, you get the house, but you get it with a housemate. And you get to live in this house for the rest of your lives. That's amazing. The only challenge with marriage, based on how he described it, is that you can't leave the house. Mm. And maybe it's our interpretation here in Kenya of what marriage is and long-term commitment is that ruins relationships. Because I've been in communities and societies where there are long-term partnerships without necessarily having labels of marriage or even relationships. It's just partner. What does that mean? Up to you. What level of commitment do you have? It's up to you. How are you engaging today versus tomorrow? I don't know. I'll figure it out tomorrow when tomorrow comes. There's no 
forever pressure, which I feel is very heavily embedded in even our dating culture, so that when you're going out with somebody, it's really an audition of whether or not you're going to be a good husband, as opposed to just enjoying the date. Yes, having fun mm. with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so when you ask me where he is and what he is in my life right now, I think it's in this ambiguous space mm. of he's whatever he wants to be that day, and he's whatever I interpret him, him to be that day. And maybe it's not great for your listeners because they want to have a firm description of what's happening at the moment. But that's just how I'm choosing to live my life right now. And it's, it's working for me. I, he's not my partner. I think it's important to say that. Like, he's not a primary partner. I'm, I'm just saying this for other people. <laughs> I've still got love for you. So I'm glad you've heard my disclaimer. Sweetie pie. <laughs> I'm dead. So are you polyamorous? What are, what are we saying? What are we saying, Wanjeri? Yeah, what does polyamory mean? You know, I was looking at the you, definition. Are you, yeah, I mean, because, listen, I, we've, me and you have talked extensively, a little yeah. bit, extensively, a little bit of both. You know, it depends what's on the table. But about consensual non-monogamy. Mm-hmm. I, I, I get the sense that you're very open-minded about it, but you still like the idea of having... like I guess what you're calling a primary partner yeah yeah thoughts yeah I I think it's just natural for women because we look for stability where men look for freedom you know this is why we want to nest and build homes and make a home out of a house and men want to parambulate (laughs) and go find the new adventure out Mm -hmm. there and these are just the strong feelings within us it's not to say that women also don't have that desire for spontaneity and newness we do we are just more inclined to stability and men are more inclined to the freedoms. freedom yeah and so i have a very strong adventure feeling and drive and energy and and spirit and spirit yeah and what i found particularly because of this relationship is that monogamy is really not for me mm-hmm. i used to think that i was extremely jealous and possessive no, I'm actually just claustrophobic. And I become used to the claustrophobia. So when somebody gives me a little bit of freedom, it's like, oh, no, 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 this is new. I don't want it. But really, I don't mind having a few days to myself. I don't mind not necessarily being too involved in what your mom bought last week, Sidri, because family drama. I don't care. Right. I don't want to be that involved. And if that's what consensual non-monogamy is, then that's what I am. But it's not just for sexual gratification, there's real connection there and there's real care for my partners and from my partners. And most importantly, transparency. You cannot be in a space with more than one partner unless you're cheating and expect it to work if you're not being 100% clear and transparent about everything. Is this how you've always been or is something you're exploring now new? I believe I've always been non-monogamous, but Mm. this time I'm really leaning into it. The problem when men, particularly in a traditional culture like Kenya, bring up this conversation of polyamory, what they're really describing is polygamy. Polygamy. Yeah. They don't want the woman to do it, Mm -mm. they want to do it. Yes. And there's obviously other situations where there's polyandry, where you can be a woman who has multiple husbands. But in this, so polyamory is where all partners are open to have other partners. So if you look at it as a web opening up, it can really be a big ass web. (laughs) And this is why, again, open 
ness and transparency are important especially when it pertains to things like sexual activity. Mm. You want to be safe and responsible and be a grown up about your desire so that you can enjoy it. Yeah. yeah. And I think if more people talked about it there'd be less problems because so many people are cheating in Kenya. Have you hey. had this joke where if you go to if you go to Easy Hoteli, mm-hmm. hotel motel at lunchtime, big cars parked in the parking lot, there's no one in the restaurant, there's no one at the bar. Yeah. So all the rooms are full. This is during the day. You have big, big, big people with big, big cars going to, you know, these like bar restaurants that have nice rooms? Yes. So yes. Apparently when you have a car wash. Yes. A local Kojabo. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't even like, maybe, not, maybe like a Kojabo, but I'm talking about, you know, this place where Atik, there's a conference room, there's a bar. Yes. There's a, I don't know what I'd call these establishments. Hotel. Hotel. Yeah, and the parking lot is there's a joke that we used to have where I used to work. It's like, eh, I'm always in the lunchtime. I'm you go at lunchtime, you don't get parking, just take a cab. But the parking lot is full, big cars. Oh my days. But there's no one in the restaurant. There is no one at the bar. There is no one in the conference room. Everyone is in their rooms. But then in the evening they go home to their wives. So me, I'm just like, what why are we kidding ourselves? I think there need to be more open conversations about um monogamy, about and dare even say the constitution of marriage which i know is a huge oh, yeah. um uh, it's like an SI unit of a of a society in this country mm. yeah but i i just also want to ask you one thing um i know about attachment styles mm-hmm. you said that you're anxious preoccupied oh yeah how does an anxious preoccupied live within the same space as somebody who is open to more than one partner. I don't get it because anxious ah. preoccupied. Do you understand? I, f- I find a bit of a contradiction there because the, character- the primary characteristics of an anxious attached is fear of abandonment, fear of being cheated on, um, and f- yeah, like you, you, and you, you're fiercely monogamous is what I would say. So how do you exist in being anxiously attached yet you can be with, with bull, cow, <laughs> and goat? <laughs> <laughs> how are you uh, that's for somebody for me that's somebody who is a bit avoidant and doesn't attach to you know anxiously attach they attach they attach and attach heavy yes uh, although avoidance should not be mislabeled as not having emotions or empathy of course they do they're actually afraid that they wouldn't ha- get reciprocity in which fact, is why they're avoidant uh, yes in fact avoidance and attachments are the base of it they're the same mm. it's just how um, it we plays present. out how it presents yeah. Yeah, yeah. so what I didn't say in the story is that in between Uku, the breaking up and the letting go, mm. there was another partner. There were other relationships, but the most important one happened uh, within, I think, during COVID time uh, when myself and the bull were really now sort of delinking. And the guy that I started seeing is the most secure human being in the universe. And in reading the book Attachment, which we Atta- read... Attached. attached. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, they say that one of the ways you can temper an anxious person is by preparing them with, with a, a secure, secure partner. Yeah. And I saw how with just... You know, when you're in a relationship and you're used to making snide comments because you want something. So your partner wants to go what hang is it out called? with their friends. Protest behavior. Oh, yes. Yes. Uh, have fun. <laughs> oh, so you only want to hang out with me on the weekdays when you don't have better things to do. do. <laughs> wow. Meanwhile, the guy has just said, I'm just, I'm, I'm just going for, for a drink. For a drink. <laughs> <laughs> Honey, me, I can't drink. Guys, this let me guy tell you. saw right through me. Yeah. Alinyona. Akaniambia wewe skiza. 
that's not how we don't do that here. Yeah. That was his tone with everything. And it wasn't shutting me down. He understood it but responded in a mature, secure way. And so you learn, you you it becomes the culture in the relationship. Okay. So remember what I said about finding spirituality, yoga, meditation and it went really well hand in hand with this other secure partner because it sort of was uh, a positive feedback loop where the teachings in meditation are saying to me focus on the moment don't worry about tomorrow don't worry about the past this is what really matters and in his communication and delivery of things to me this partner is saying the same thing because what anxious people we're just worried about the future mm. you're worried that I'll leave you when tomorrow you think it's going to be still why because it's good now so you're robbing us of this now of just being here and when that clicked in my mind it really it became easier for me to spot what i was trying to communicate i'm not saying that i'm secure now right. or that i don't have my i do but i'm i'm more sensible these days i think and there's a big word that we use in our polyamorous space if i can call it you know consensual non monogamous space which is motivation why are you doing the thing you're doing? Mm-hmm. What you're saying? Am I going out because you went out last week? What's the intention? Yeah, what's the intention? Yeah. 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 Do I want to hang out with you because we haven't hung out in a week or because you really want to see me? Mm. Yeah. And so when you constantly are investigating yourself, I think you will find that your actions are matching your desires more often. Okay. Yeah. <sighs> what an amazing episode you guys. I'm so excited to publish this. <laughs> I've had such a lovely time, Me but I do too. have one more question for you. Knowing what you know now. Yes. I would go back and do it all over again. Okay. Yeah. Because I do feel that it's impossible for me to have become this person on this other side without mm. that experience. Mm-hmm. Did it have to be so torturous? No. Did it have to be so dirty and murky? and de- No. Well, Maybe. Well, it didn't, really. It didn't. It just became that way. And it's, you know, it's just, life is, is a decision of choice, is a series of choices. That's all it is. And we made choices that were not healthy. And because I know what that feels like, as a precautionary tale to myself, I now would rather not. And that has really set a strong foundation of how I am and relate to people, not just in romantic relationships, but even with somebody like my mom. When I see her getting irritated or frustrated, my main thing is not to put myself in the center, which is what we tend to do in relationships. Even you, you did it. And just with empathy and compassion. Be like, Aki, they're just going through it and this is how they're responding. But here, five minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So yes, I would do it all over again. Yeah, it was the experience of a lifetime, mm. the love of a lifetime. Wow. For those of you guys listening, I just want you to give on Jerry all the love you can um, wherever you're listening to this podcast by giving us a review and or sharing this episode with a friend. Um, I will be leaving details about how you can be part of So This Is Love. Um, so just be on the lookout for that. But for now, just support us by subscribing to this podcast. Thank you so much, Wanjeri. Thank you for having me. Yes. All right, guys. Have, have yourself a lovely day. Have lovely evening, lovely afternoon, wherever and whenever you might be listening to this. Adios.
If you have liked this episode, please subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review. You can also share this podcast with a friend or two and follow us on our Instagram at so this is love underscore podcast. If you would like to be a part of this podcast, you can also reach us via direct message on our Instagram. This is Jules. See you next time.